The meeting will come to order. Welcome to the May 17, uh, 2023 meeting of the Budget and Appropriation Committee. I'm Supervisor Connie Chan, Chair of the Committee. I'm joined by Supervisors Hilary Ronan and Shaman Watton, hopefully shortly by Vice Chair Raphael Mendelman and Supervisor Asha Safayi. Um, our clerk is Brent Talipa. I would like to thank um, Jaime at Evacuary uh, from SFGov TV for broadcasting this meeting. Mr. Clark, do you have any announcement? Thank you, Madam Chair. With our return to the chamber, just a friendly reminder for those in attendance to please to make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices so as to uh, not interrupt our proceedings here in the chamber. Uh, the Board of Supervisors and its committees are now convening hybrid meetings that allow in-person attendance and public comment while still providing remote access and public comment via telephone. Uh, the Board recognizes that equitable public access is essential and will be taking public comment as follows. Uh, public comment will be taken on each item on this agenda. Those attending in person will be allowed to speak first and then we will take those who are waiting on the telephone line and for those waiting uh, or for those watching remotely and streaming through sfgovtv.org. The public comment and call-in number is streaming across the screen when connected. You will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted in and listening mode only. <clears throat> when your item of interest comes up and public comment is called, those joining us in person should line up to speak while those on the telephone should dial star three to be added to the speaker line. If you're on your telephone, please remember to turn on your TV and all listening devices you may be using, and each speaker will be allowed up to two minutes to speak unless otherwise stated. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email them to myself, the Budget and Appropriations Committee Clerk, at brent.jalipa at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the supervisors and also included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service to our office in City Hall. That's 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. And finally, Madam Chair, items acted upon today are expected to appear on the Board of Supervisors' agenda of May 23rd unless otherwise stated. Madam Chair. Thank you, Mr. Clerk. Please call item number 1. Yes, item number one uh, is a hearing on the status of programming and funding for Cameo House, Norma, Norma Hotel, and any other successful transitional housing programs that serve criminally involved people, including women and transitional aged youth, young adults. Specifically examining why these successful and popular programs with proven positive impacts on homelessness are cut from the mayor's budget every single fiscal year. Uh, and members of the public who wish to provide comment on this hearing should call 415-655-0001. Uh, today's meeting ID is um, two four, sorry, pardon, is 2604-967-6141. Then press pound twice, and if you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak. A prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand, and when the system indicates you have been unmuted, uh, you may begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. Just one note that Vice Chair uh, Rafael Mendelman has joined us now, and uh, I'm going to turn this over to Supervisor Ronan, and the floor is yours, and you can run the presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Chan, um, and thank you for scheduling this today. Um, I, When we first uh, called for this hearing, uh, we were under the impression uh, that funding for both the Cameo House and the Norma Hotel, which you're going to hear about in a moment, uh, was once again on the chopping block, something that we have dealt with in, you know, pretty much at least the last few budget cycles, um, which is incredibly frustrating given what 
uh, enormously successful uh, programs these are. And the good news is since filing this hearing, we have had conversations with the mayor's office, mayor's budget office, um, the different departments, adult probation, um, sheriff's office, and the funding for these incredibly successful programs will be included in the mayor's budget, which will be released shortly. So let's celebrate, uh, you know, this, this small slash huge victory. Um, but I thought just briefly we could hear from the two organizations because they, they do offer such incredible services. I want to make sure the public is aware. Um, and then I will be asking to file this hearing because for once we've resolved a problem without a major fight, which is so exciting. So uh, without further ado, I would like to call up Rebecca Jackson, um, for, who is the director of Cameo House from CJCJ. Good afternoon, supervisors. Uh, thank you, Ronan, for inviting us today. And uh, as she said, I'm Rebecca Jackson. I'm with the Center on Juvenile Criminal Justice. I serve as the director of Cameo House. At Cameo House, we uh, serve alternative sentencing for justice-involved homeless women with children, many of whom come to us in lieu of jail or prison or by order of the court. We have room at Cameo to serve 11 families. That's 11 women and up to 22 children. Cameo House isn't the traditional um, mental health model or drug treatment model or even DV shelter model that we know even though over 90% of our women identify as having history of substance use and mental health based on mostly trauma, anxiety, depression that comes with their lived experiences. But over 100% of our women identify as survivors of some type of violence. We're also unique because we're one of the only programs that allow women to come with children over the age of three years old. And we're long-term meaning our families can stay with us for up to two years. The average stay is around 18 months, and I'll just say about 90% of our referrals come from our justice-involved partners and other community-based organizations. Cameo House has figured out a way where accountability and participant-centered approach can both happen in the same place, and we do that by offering a highly structured, supportive, and most important, a safe environment with dignity, integrity, and respect really driving our work. And we're not an institution. When these women come out of jail or from the street, they're coming home. And Cameo recognizes how important it is that we honor the women's agency and autonomy as human beings, and we recognize their role as head of their household even while they're in program with us. Participants immediately begin to work closely with a diverse, culturally competent staff, yes, whom we're trying to raise wages for, including two bilingual case managers who understand deeply that women and children have specific needs that need to be met based on their past experiences, and we really let that inform our approach to our work. They participate in a wide array of services, both on-site and off-site. But the most important thing is that staff and participants together work to develop individualized life and goal plans with short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals 
The short term is really getting basic needs met, addressing their recovery, reuniting with their children. In the midterm, we want to talk about the trauma, get a job, maybe go back to school. But the long-term goal is really to transition into permanent housing, therefore reducing their recidivism and successfully reentering back into society, into our city. I want to take a moment to thank the San Francisco Sheriff's Office, our Sheriff Paul Miyamoto and his amazing team, including Ali Riker, who helped oversee our contract, even Angie Wilson, who runs the Women's Resource Center, where our women basically live when they're not at Cameo. Thank you, not only for helping to save Cameo House, but more importantly, for being true partners, which allows for a healthy, collaborative, transparent, contractual relationship. And we believe that this stands as a model for others in the city to follow. It's because of this contractual relationship that Cameo and our families are thriving, as evidenced by their success, and we're really excited to see what else we're going to be able to accomplish with this partnership. Cameo House has shared some info, uh, information doc, if you guys want to take a look at it at some point to see our stats and the positive impact that we're having. But before I end, I would also like to thank the Board of Supervisors and the Mayor's Office for securing the Cameo House funding for the foreseeable future. This funding is the city's commitment and investment of its people. It will allow us to keep offering these critical services that not only address the needs of the unique population we serve, but also prevents the larger systems from breaking up our families by providing a space and the time where families can heal together. And when we do this, we interrupt the intergenerational cycle of incarceration and poverty and trauma while also advancing gender, racial, and economic equity. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, oh, I love hearing these success stories instead of all the depressing stuff we deal with every day. Thank you so much for that. Next, we're going to hear from Shania Branner. There she is. Uh, who's going to present uh, for the Norma Hotel. And they're incredibly successful model. Hello. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, I produced um, stats and a success story via handout that you guys could look at during the presentation. I won't regurgitate it because you guys have it at hand. But um, I am Shania Branner. I am a San Francisco native straight from Bayview Hunters Point. I am also currently the Ranchy Council Tay representative, as well as the programs manager for Recovery Survival Network that runs the Norma Hotel as well as the CW Hotel. Um, for Recovery Survival Network, we have been for the past couple years providing services to justice-involved individuals, individuals that are on probation, any type of supervision, and as well as homeless San Franciscans in need of housing. We are very grateful and very thankful for the opportunity to get the reassurance of being able to give and continue the services that we have provided, not only in the Mission District, but throughout San Francisco for our San Franciscans, especially my population that I belong to, the 18 to 35, who we know is coming from different aspects of life, 
whether it is from a reincarceration group homes or straight from the tents, they are given the opportunity for up to a year, if not more, to save money, to get the life skills needed to successfully live on their own, as well as to transition to permanent or stable housing. If you look at the stats, you'll see what our numbers have produced since the inception of our program for both the Norma and CW. But the success story is the real words from a client who successfully completed our program less than two months ago, who was able to save money, transition to reunify with his family back in Southern California, as well as get his own permanent housing while reunificating with his family down in Southern California. He also was able to get off probation early in San Francisco, get some of his um, charges um, reduced into where he wasn't facing all these felonies. He was able to walk away with some misdemeanors, and he was able to get a job that did not impact his living wages due to his incarceration or his criminal history. Again, that is all the thanks of San Francisco. That's the thanks of the Recovery Survivor Network, the Board of Supervisors, and our mayor. Um, I do not take all the credit. I give my credit to my staff. I give my credit to the clients themselves who want the opportunity to have more than just a roof over their heads, but actually the opportunity to show that they are ready for the world. They just need the extra help. They need the life skills. They need the walking model of what a successful San Franciscan who has a background, who had, comes from the neighborhoods that I come from, who can still give back to society and live productively within San Francisco and the Bay Area. Um, again, I would love to thank the Sheriff's Department and went in for Recovery Survival Network because we've worked with them for many years. Of course, Victoria Westbrook, that's an audience, and the San Francisco Adult Probation, who has funded us and supported us throughout these years, made very, very, very horrendous cuts to budget, but still maintained us in their budget to, for us to provide these services. And again, the Board of Supervisors and Mayor for believing in us and giving us the opportunity to work with our underprivileged youth and our undesirables in some sense and show that they're worth more than what their record can tell and they're worth more than the number that they held for a period of time. They are actual San Franciscans who just need the opportunity and need people like us and like some of you in the audience and on the seats who have been there, done that, and now want to give back. So again, I would like to thank everyone. Again, the stats are in front of you for you to see. Any other questions or anything, you can reach out to myself through Supervisor Ronan or just through myself. And I want to also give uh, condolences, um, not condolences, I'm sorry. He wants to give out uh, thanks from Lou Gordon, who could not be here. <laughs> He's here in spirit. He wants to thank you guys for all of your years of support and recovery survival network with his many programs and his many services that he's provided. And with this next budget, we will be able to produce way more results, successful completions, permanent housing placements throughout San Francisco with your help. So thank you guys. Thank you so much. Um, so before we open this up for public comment, um, I just want to say that as the supervisor of District 9, I could not be more proud uh, that our district, the Mission neighborhood, houses these two incredible programs. And you know, there's so much negativity and talk about uh, you know, everything going wrong in San Francisco, it's really nice to lift up so much that is going right. And we don't talk about the success stories nearly enough, the stories where, uh, you know, people are, are, are given a chance uh, to succeed. Uh, because without that chance, how can someone who's oftentimes faced horrors 
uh, in their life, significant poverty, trauma, et cetera, um, have, a, have a chance to turn things around and, and, and not repeat history, but, but make changes. So it's because of programs like yours uh, that that happens. And so I just really, from the bottom of my heart, wanted to thank you all and really thank Adult Probation and the Sheriff's Department for your incredible support of these programs and, and really wanted to celebrate something today. So thank you for allowing us to do that here in uh, this, this committee. And with that, if it's okay, I'll turn it back to the chair. Thank you, Supervisor Rona. I concur with the sentiment. I, I too, really just want to thank um, uh, Normal Hotel and Cameo House for all your wonderful work and your services. I, we're just so grateful um, that you're willing to keep at it. We know it's challenging work and that it's challenging all the more when you don't have stable source of funding. Uh, so I'm really pleased as well to, uh, you know, that we're here we are, that we, we do not have to worry about, you know, cuts. And with that, I first want to thank, you know, Supervisor Ronan, who has been a champion uh, of really the Cameo House and Norma Hotel and consistent time and time again, including her time as our budget chair, really make sure that this is part of her priorities and she say it loud and clear and we hear we heard her I think the mayor heard her um, <laughs> hence here we are you know that we're we're here and and I also just really want to thank Cher uh, Maimoto and Paul Maimoto and his team as well as Mayor Breed and her team like collaboratively we recognize that public safety is just so much more about you know what we see uh, with law enforcement it's truly meaningful public safety goes much beyond uh, we need to shout make sure people are sheltered housed and also fed and I think those are really our shared priorities uh, it's definitely during this budget during you know when we face such a significant deficits and to hear someone like Cameo House and Normal Hotel as well as uh, Tenants Rights to Council last week that they're all actually not going to be have a facing any reduction. I think that speaks volume uh, for all of us, both the mayor and the board of supervisors collectively we recognize these are pri shared priorities. So with that, thank you. And Mr. Collette, let's go to public comment. Oh, oh, sorry, my apology. S sorry. Uh, Supervisor Walton. Thank you so much, Chair Chan. I just, again, want to say thank you to Supervisor Ronan for calling this hearing and being prepared to step up for both organizations and the great work that you do. I just wanted to add my two cents and say thank you for, for showing up today and for continuing to do the work. Thank you. Supervisor Ronan. Thank you. I just have to, I, uh, it was my fault. I want to give a very special thanks to another unsung behind the scenes uh, hero, which is Jackie Prager from my office, <laughs> who um, was really the one forcing some serious commitments from behind the scenes um, to arrive at such a great result here today. So Jackie, thank you for all your hard work. Uh, we see you. We love you. We, we uh, are appreciative. Thanks. Thank you. Supervisor Safai. I just want to add my, core, uh, my name and voice to the chorus of support for Cameo and all the folks that came here today. Um, I, I, will, I will say sometimes people wonder uh, the power of calling a hearing. The power of calling a hearing sometimes motivates those that don't want to be exposed. And so the fact that we've had to have this fight year after year um, is really a waste of everyone's time, energy, and resources. So we appreciate all the tremendous work that you're doing. And it seems like now we have a path forward. So appreciate, 
all the tremendous work you're doing, the partnership with um, Sheriff, Public Defender's Office, others, um, and working to help people turn their lives around. And that's really what this is about, and stabilizing families. So thank you. Thank you. And seeing that, let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public who wish to speak on this item and are joining us in person should line up along the curtains. Uh, for those who have joined us remotely and haven't already done so, please dial star three if you wish to enter the speaker line. And for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted and that'll be your signal to begin your comments. Um, yes, I'll start your time once you start speaking. Thank you so much. Thank you, supervisors. My name is Victoria Westbrook and I'm from adult probation. And we are so grateful that this program, the Norma Hotel is continuing. You know, our, our Tay youth that are justice involved have extra barriers and challenges sometimes. Their brains aren't done <laughs> cooking yet, and sometimes decisions are not their best and their, uh, their strong point. And the Norma is not just a housing program. Like, their success just isn't reducing the bed days of homeless nights, right? It's the work that they actually do with the individuals to teach them and to give them the life skills so that when they leave the program, they're actually able to thrive. So uh, adult probation would like to thank the Board of Supervisors and the Mayor's Office for their continued support of these amazing reentry service programs. Thank you. Thanks so much, Victoria Westbrook, for your comments. Thank you. Thank you very much for allowing me to speak. I'm as a formerly homeless person. I was homeless for three and a half years. I didn't have a place to live. Um, I lived out on the street, on the, at the public library, in the bushes, in, uh, in unincorporated areas of the Bay Area. That's where I lived. I was homeless, and I'm just I'm concerned. Why the city would cut off funding for these programs? You know, why is it the first on the chopping block? You know what I mean? And there are a lot of people who, 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 need, who, need, who, who need this to, to live, to survive. And why? 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 We don't know. But uh, that's what's going on here. And it's a good question um, to ask these departments to report on this. And uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm not happy about the direction the budget is taking, um, you know, when it comes to issues like this. I'm, I'm very, very alarmed and um, afraid for the future. I don't know uh, how this city's gonna make it. I don't know how it's gonna be able to go on, really, when it's doing stuff like this. And you have to think about it. Um, it's, it, it does it with, it, it yells at you when it wants to do it, you know? It's, it's, like, it's like a pin that yells at you because they wanna, they, they wanna do it, you know? Uh, so you, you look back at the 10 years, any places you've been, the, way, the reason why you got yelled at is because they want to go in there and, and slash and slash items off the budget. They want to go in there and do it. And, you know, that's uh, why you get, if you get yelled at again, you know, uh, you have to really wonder: Are they coming for somebody else? You know. Uh, so, and uh, it's, it's. I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this is getting. Uh, we got to look into this. So, I mean, I want. I want to audit it. I want to look at the last ten years of this budget and see the activities that it's been that's been that's been going on. And then, and then just look at the human side of it. Look at this individual, or, you know, and just. Thank you much for addressing this committee. Uh, Mr. Lamb, if you could unmute or call her, please. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, before we get to that, Mr. Lamb. Uh, yes, 
It's your turn. And uh, yes, if you do uh, want to speak on this item, I do suggest that you line up now. All right. Thank you much. I'll start your time. Uh, members of the Board of Supervisors, thank you for this hearing. My name is Dan McAleer. I'm the Executive Director of the Center on Juvenile and Criminal Justice. I've been here many times. Um, and I just want to, no long speech, I just want to say thank you to all of you for all the hard work you've done on behalf of Cameo House. Cameo House was started in 2012 as the first residential alternative sentencing program for women who are facing imprisonment with children. And that is a population that historically has, been under, has not been a consideration, primary consideration within the criminal justice system. This was the first program. San Francisco pioneered it. We should take pride in it. It's thriving now. Thank you to the Sheriff's Department and Sheriff Miyamoto and his staff, Allie Riker over here. Uh, thank all of you, and particularly the members, members of the Board of Soups, because you made it possible. And when it went, so we had a few hurdles along the way. Things got rough, and you, you, you folks stepped up. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for your comments. Seeing no other speakers here in the chamber, uh, now, Mr. Lamb, if you could meet our caller, please. So, supervisors, whatever we do with this program, we have to have wraparound services. So there should be a website where the people who are serviced, what type of real services do they get? Psychiatrists, psychologists, therapy, nutritionists, Let's not just create some sort of program, a program that does not have standards. This pandemic has brought about many challenges. And what the city has done is, in many of its programs that is initiated, has wasted over $400 million. To supervisors, this is not a joke. All over the world, we see programs that have standards. In San Francisco, we open up programs to close them. We build, we build things and then we close them. Our health department has a budget of $3 billion. The city and county of San Francisco, $14 billion. There are many needs, and we need to focus on our youth and young adults. But we need wraparound services, and we need a website where we want to know the type of services that are provided with registered nurses and doctors. Thank you very much. Thank you, Francisco DeCosta, for your comments. And Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comments, public comment is now closed. Supervisor Ronan. 
I would like to make a motion to um, declare this hearing heard and file. So with that, Mr. Clerk, could we uh, call the roll? Uh, yes, I will need a second. Second. Oh, sorry. Second. Okay, on that motion by Member Ronan, seconded by Member Walton, that this hearing be heard and filed. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Safai. Safai, aye. Member Ronan. Aye. Ronan, aye. Member Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have five ayes. Thank you. The motion passes. And uh, Mr. Clerk, could you please call item two and three together? Uh, yes, items two and three is a hearing on and resolution to accept, respectively, the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board's annual report for the calendar year 2022. Members of the public who wish to provide public comment on uh, these items should call 415-655-0001 with meeting ID of 2604-967-6141, then press pound twice. If you haven't already done so, please dial star three to line up to speak, and a prompt will indicate that you've raised your hand, and please wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted, and that will be your cue to begin your comments. Madam Chair. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor Walton, thank you. Thank you so much, Chair Chan. And first of all, I just want to thank everyone for, for coming in today. Uh, I do just want to share a little background. After being sworn in to office in 2019, um, and after meeting with various stakeholders, we were getting several reports of lots of things happening in our jails, inmates, fights, uh, mistreatment of people in custody, and so I worked very closely uh, in the beginning with public defender Jeff Adachi and started having conversations about what we could do to provide more independent oversight uh, to investigate and look into misconduct by the sheriff's department, uh, particularly things that were happening to inmates and most definitely and certainly anything around in custody deaths and we decided, my office visited jail sites, had an opportunity to go down to Los Angeles and visit with their uh, inspector general's office and learn about some of the things that they were doing. And so we decided to prepare a charter amendment for the city and county to create the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board. The charter went on the ballot in November of 2020 and was passed by the voters uh, because everyone saw the importance of having this independence and in April of 2021 the first members were seated and I want to definitely thank all the members of the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board uh, for their work. I also want to thank the Department of Police Accountability for holding the work of the office while we of course finalized uh, our appointments to the board and while we finalized finding a, a Inspector General. The charter amendment was important because it created a process to address complaints. And as you know, we're in a critical time moving towards recovery past the COVID-19 pandemic. And we wanna make sure that the inequities that existed around investigations and making sure that this independent oversight um, comes into fruition. And so just excited to hear the updates about with the work, with work has been happening with the board uh, so far and as we work to bring on the Inspector General. I do just wanna state the Charter Amendment does a few things. Uh, one, it establishes a Sheriff's Department Oversight Board of seven members who should complete training and orientation on custodial law enforcement, constitutional policing, and Sheriff's Department policies 
and procedures. This body appoints the Inspector General and the Sheriff's Department to evaluate the work of the Sheriff's Department, compile and recommend law enforcement custodial and best practices, and conducts community outreach to hear public input regarding the Sheriff's Department operations and jail conditions. This body receives, reviews, and investigates complaints against Sheriff's Department employees and contractors. And this body will investigate any death of any individual in custody of the Sheriff's Department. The body also should develop and recommend to the staff, I mean to the Sheriff, a Sheriff's Department use of force policy and comprehensive internal review process for all use of force and critical incidents. Quarterly reports will be submitted to the Sheriff and the Sheriff Department Oversight Board. Reports will include the number and types of complaints filed, trend analysis, and the outcome of those complaints. And with that said, I am now going to call up the President of the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board, uh, Jason Wechter and Dan Leung, to present the annual report. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Supervisor Walton, um, Chair Chan, Supervisor Safai, Supervisor Ronan. Uh, yes, I'm Jason Wagner. I'm president of the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board. Uh, Supervisor Walton, you actually summarized some of the material on our first few slides that our Secretary Dan Leon will be bringing up. Uh, Vice President uh, Zoshi Karian will be helping to present some of the slides. And after we're done with the presentation, I'll be happy to answer any questions you have. So if we can get the first slide up there. I, I think you should have our annual report uh, for 2022. And I think the first few slides uh, actually um, recapitulate the history Supervisor Walton gave of the Oversight Board and the reasons for its creation and its authority. Um, the Board is currently working to recruit an Inspector General. We're working with the Department of Human Resources, which has an open recruitment now. We're just waiting for them to get a vendor to, um, who can pay for uh, posting that job posting on several uh, professional websites that require payment, including the website of the National Association for Civilian Oversight of Law Enforcement. So I haven't heard the most recent status on that, but once that is posted, then it will be extended to allow uh, people who see the posting there and on several other uh, websites to submit applications. And as it says, the OIG, Office of Inspector General, does not yet exist, but the Charter does specify that the Office of Inspector General is a department under the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board. And can we have the next slide, please, Dan? And um, this summarizes some of our thoughts. I think it actually says we shall perform these duties, including conducting community outreach, um, evaluating the work of the OIG and um, compiling and evaluate and recommend custodial and patrol best practices. Next slide. And these are the, I think you have bios of the seven members of the board, four appointed by the Board of Supervisors and three by the mayor. And I'll go ahead and introduce yes. those. Um, good afternoon, uh, Xochitl Carion, Vice President. Um, 
It's an honor and privilege to be here. As you can see, um, the board here is composed of a very diverse, diverse group. We represent a cross-section of interesting San Franciscans. There are four Board of Supervisor appointments. Those currently are, for 2022, 2022 is Obaba Afumango, a leader in the Samoan uh, Asian Pacific Islander community. Sheriff Deputy Michael Nguyen, who is the liaison for the Sheriff Department. We have um, William Palmer, a leader in the uh, previous incarcerated person and leader in the reentry community. We have, of course, our President Wector, and you have his bio. Um, we also have uh, three mayor appointments, which is the first Dion, Dion J. Bruchter, uh, past police commissioner, uh, myself, Sochil Garion, and past commissioner also for the uh, Women's Commission, uh, Julie Sue. Uh, it's incredibly important that our board reflect the community, um, and that's something that's very important considering the diversity that the sheriff has to deal with. The sheriff here in San Francisco is proud to be able to boast um, an incredibly diverse staff, including in leadership, and that should be reflected in the oversight board that not only is invested in perspectives from marginalized, histor historically marginalized communities, but those communities directly impacted the most and have higher incarceration um, percentages than others. So it is wonderful to be able to see that diversity and see those direct communications and direct connection with community. Now, one of the things that we've been working on is really hosting presentations and educating. We have a plethora of different skill sets and views. Um, we've hosted presentations on recruiting and hiring resource and pathways. We've discussed the staffing, operations, and custody statistics, as well as different leadership experiences from different agencies. One of the key things we want to work on is making sure that we learn from the Bay Area community leaders um, regarding these issues, as well as nationwide, and so we have done so. Um, we are very grateful, and I'll talk a little bit later on, the Department of Public Accountability's uh, continued support in all of the infrastructure and supporting and building um, the work that needs to be done in order to have a successful oversight board as well as an inspector general and office. Um, of course, the budget has been an incredibly important uh, role given that we are in new territory with a brand new department. Every single meeting, of course, we have public comment and we have been holding community meetings. A total of three have been held and we have others scheduled. Um, we're looking forward to being in your district um, and having your constituents be able to give their comments on the work that we're doing on the board. So as I think um, Supervisor Walton said, we did receive the mandatory 20 hours of training from the Sheriff's Department. That took place last year. It had to be done in groups of no more than three to avoid invoking the Brown Act. Um, we, as I stated, we have um, the board decided to have Department of Human Resources conduct the recruitment rather than follow the typical path they take, which is to hire an outside recruitment firm. This has extended the process more so than it might have. Um, have, they, have we hired a recruitment firm? And as I stated, uh, DHR is waiting to get a vendor who can post the job posting on some very critical websites. 
Once that is done, we will be working with them to winnow those applicants, to evaluate them, and ultimately to interview the finalists. Um, and as I think uh, Supervisor Walton mentioned, the Department of Police Accountability signed two memorandums of understanding in 2020 with the Sheriff's Department, giving them authority to investigate certain um, more serious complaints filed against Sheriff's Department uh, personnel. The Office of Inspector General will have a much broader mandate. It will be investigating all complaints filed against Sheriff's Department personnel or contractors, so it will have a larger volume of work than the Department of Police Accountability is currently handling with the Sheriff's Department cases. And um, DPA, I don't think, has published statistics on, the, on, on complaint investigations, the number of complaints they've received, the number of complaints closed, and what their findings are. Um, they would have to answer as to why that hasn't been, been, um, been, been published. Um, but that's something that will be useful in gauging um, the potential workload for the Inspector General. Uh, again, keeping in mind that they will have a much broader range of complaints. And having worked in oversight for over 20 years, I can tell you when you establish a new civilian oversight entity, it will also resu often result in an increase in the number of complaints because people who may not have felt comfortable taking a complaint to the Sheriff's Department will feel comfortable bringing them to a new civilian entity, and the publicity around the establishment of a civilian oversight entity will also engender a greater number of complaints. Now, I did want to make one correction. I, um, I believe uh, President Wechter mentioned that an uh, executive firm is one of the traditional ways. Um, th that has not been the case in all situations. We did have leadership from different entities um, come and explain that how they have not used an executive firm. We were able, thankfully, by making that decisive um, uh, motion uh, to save money um, for the budget, as well as to meet the timeline. The timeline set up by DHR is to be completed by October. I had an opportunity yesterday to speak with our liaison with, of D, with DHR, which is Commissioner Sue. She indicated that the um, application has been extended for June 24th. It is really great news that while there was a lot of concern and a lot of speculation about whether it would be necessary to use a firm, whether we'd be getting candidates, qualified candidates, that actually speculation has shown to be completely false. In fact, once we had this application out and the job description, we were able to come together as a board to do the work that the people voted. We were able to get now double digits within 10 days of really qualified individuals. Um, DHR is still on target with our October date to be able to um, facilitate having an inspector general. Um, in that really goes into the next slide. We are first and foremost, I want to thank um, Executive Director Paul Henderson and his team, including Marshall Klein, the Department of Public Accountability, because as you are aware, there was a memorandum of understanding that has been signed with the sheriffs in which they have taken on the, the, the responsibility for looking to these complaints. As a past prosecutor who investigated and prosecuted peace officers, including sheriff deputies, I can personally say that it is vital that these complaints do not get stale, that we 
immediately take action and we immediately preserve evidence so that that way the truth can come out. Um, so it has been incredibly helpful to have DPA as a leader and because every delay that we have or any obstructionist, obstructionist tactic in our board for causing a delay will end up hurting the complainants. It will hurt the voters and that's the problem, right? So we want to make sure that we as a board continue forward and that only has been possible because of DPA. Now those are, here are some of, one of the, some of the highlights. They have been instrumental in analyzing the oppositional needs as well as preparing the budget. They are the singular entity that is in a position to do that because they have been the one doing the work. Now they have also established access to tools, information, and resources. It's very important to know that the information that is in the purview of DPA, and I say this for the community, is also available to the community through the Public Records Act. We have had a lot of different presentations from the DPA. All of that is available online that gives statistics about the information that they've been doing on behalf of the sheriff. In addition, they've also been creating and customizing a case and data management system. Um, that's important because currently the sheriff's department is still on paper. I, in this era of tech and with the volume of complaints, we wanna ensure that we are able to promptly answer, and as I mentioned, for the reason of investigations, to be able, able to promptly and timely respond to any accusations against any deputy. And it's important to note that the charter 4.137 does not only deal with deputies, but it also deals with personnel. Um, so it is a holistic a charter that deals with that. In addition to that, the DPA has established an online complaint reporting system that is available on our website for the SDOB, the DPA, and the sheriffs. Again, giving another opportunity for the community to be able to voice their concerns. They've been working on retrofitting the office and creating employee um, workstations. Um, they've also been negotiating a smooth and gradual transition with different vendors and making sure that the infrastructure is going to be there. Now, building the infrastructure is going to be key. Again, this is going to be a critical position where every single inmate, all the complaints, all from victims, from family members, they're going to be able to have to trust this institution. In order to build that trust, we need to have a strong foundation, a strong infrastructure of leaders that have all the information that are not being caused to um, wait or delay in doing the work. So because of the work of DPA and because of the work of many of the members of the board, we've been able to move this board forward in doing actual work and getting responses. Good afternoon, committee chair and Supervisor Chen, Supervisor Walton, Supervisor Safai, Supervisor Mendelman, Supervisor Ronan. My name is Dan Leung and I am the secretary for the Shares Oversight Board and currently the only staff member of uh, what the city calls the Sheriff's Department of Accountability, which is the office of the Inspector General. This committee asked us to include budget information with this presentation. At this point, we have not seen the mayor's final budget proposal for the next fiscal year and do not make any representations about what will be submitted to the Board of Supervisors. 
We created the following slides to be responsive to this committee's request and will present to you our internal determination about the budget necessary to successfully launch an independent and functional department. My apologies, I'm not a public speaker, so I have a script. Um, Do it fine. <laughs> the original budget for the new department was set below $3 million. That budget did not include many expenses for needed positions, which will be detailed in the next slide. The budget also did not include sufficient funding for equipment, materials, supplies, or su support services. Expenses for separate office space have not been calculated yet. Additionally, operating costs will be higher in the first few years to stand up a department that does not have any pre-existing resources to carry over from previous years. We will commit some of these startup costs to this fiscal year's budget to preserve as much funding as possible for the Inspector General to hire and onboard staff next fiscal year. Department of Police Accountability will initially support and incubate the new department with facilities and staffing to ensure that there is no break in services, that statutory deadlines are not missed, and that there is a smooth transition of the work. As Office of Inspector General staff are onboarded and trained, work will transfer to the new department, resulting in the concomitant reduction of reliance on the DPA and expenses for other department services. This slide illustrates the current base budget and the budget necessary to support standing up the department. The office will need to build a full staff, which will take time for the Inspector General to identify, vet, interview, and hire applicants. Spacing out hiring over time will achieve salary savings over the following fiscal periods. The budget was cut by about half a million dollars last budget season because efforts to hire an Inspector General were just beginning. At this point, the Board expects to hire an Inspector General this calendar year, which means that the investment for additional positions is needed now to support hiring staff. This slide summarizes 13 positions originally budgeted and the seven additional positions we determined are necessary to allow the Office of Inspector General to become an operational and self-sustaining department as intended by Supervisor Walton's Proposition D. Receptionists and legal assistance will be necessary to staff a front desk, manage communications, provide clerical administrative support, and provide backup for one another. An IT administrator will be necessary to build and maintain the technological infrastructure for the department. A data analyst will be necessary to collect, analyze, and report on data to inform policies. An additional attorney will be necessary to ensure compliance with all legal mandates and department obligations, including public records requests, analyzing policies, and the application of law to investigative scenarios. Finally, a public relations officer and community liaison will be critical for interfacing with the media, improving accessibility services, supporting affected populations, and publicizing this new city department services to raise awareness. So, uh, as was mentioned, we have begun in 2023 to hold community meetings for the, um, the first two 
were solely for the purpose of soliciting uh, input about the hiring of the Inspector General. I'm sorry, there were three meetings which drew a total of four members of the public, one of whom was related to one of the board members. At the fourth and last meeting, we added an agenda, two agenda items, one having a member of the Sheriff's Department do a presentation about the Sheriff's uh, responsibilities, the range of uh, activities um, they're engaged in, but more importantly, an agenda item to solicit uh, input from the community about sheriff's department operations and jail conditions. And we did get a number of individuals who spoke at that meeting expressing concerns about uh, various operations of the sheriff's department, which is exactly the type of input the charter specifies the, the board is to, uh, is, to, is to obtain through its community meetings. And we have uh, another meeting scheduled in early June at Glide Memorial Church. So I think that's, uh, do we have another slide? Yes, we welcome any questions. Thank you so much for the presentation, Commissioner Sue and Commissioner Wechter. Um, Gadion. I'm, I'm sorry, Gadion, my apologies. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the slide with, uh, my apologies. Um, so I know you, you talked a little bit about the process for the inspector, inspector General. Any idea when we think the Inspector General will be hired, and I know you mentioned a little bit about this in the presentation. I believe DHR has given a time frame of by October. And then I know uh, you talked about doing the meetings in community. Uh, do we know in terms of attendance if folks who have been coming to those meetings uh, to provide input about the Inspector General, if they've been impacted at all by anyone incarcerated or if any of them have in fact been incarcerated themselves? I don't believe that anyone who has spoken has indicated that they have been impacted by incarceration or have known someone. We have received several emails uh, from, I believe one from the mother of someone who was incarcerated in the jail, um, but I do not recall I'm sorry, we did have a, um, a, a special meeting at which the mother of a young man who died while in custody in the jail spoke along with several of his family members and community members who were in support of that. And it, it was in the press, so you're probably familiar with that. There was a, a health issue involved in that. Actually, that's incorrect. There was a person who came um, and spoke. He actually did have a complaint that was um, open and a complaint against the sheriffs that he actually asked questions about during the meeting, um, and uh, this was in our last meeting. And then, and thank you so much for uh, the, the budget presentation and particularly for really analyzing the needs of how the, the, the department is gonna be able to, to move forward, and particularly the Office of Inspector General. Um, if someone has a complaint now, who would they go to? And I know you talked a little bit about this in the presentation, but just, just for the record. They should be taking it to the Department of Police Accountability. 
Thank you. And if they take it to the Sheriff's Department, if it falls into the classification of the serious complaints that DPA handles, the Sheriff's Department should be forwarding it to the Department of Police Accountability for investigation. And then I noticed that we talked about the Department of Police Accountability working on case management and data system and uh, online complaint portal. Are we making sure that this becomes product of the Office of Inspector General and I think, transition? I, I think that's something the Inspector General should have to have make decisions about. Um, but certainly they should be able to adapt it. I know DPA is proposing a case management system for 42,000. It's generally a best practice to allow the head of an agency to decide on their own database. Um, they may be familiar with another one. I think this one is custom built by Salesforce. So I would prefer that the inspector general be able to evaluate that and decide for themselves what database system they want to use. There's a very broad oversight community that I'm very much involved with through the National Association for Civilian Oversight of Law Enforcement. There's a tremendous amount of expertise and experience for on behalf of people who have uh, established and who are uh, leading similar agencies. So there's a vast pool of information they can tap into. And so the DPA is using a current system, but um, the best practice would be for the Inspector General to be able to look at that and decide whether or not they want to use it or whether they might prefer something else. Well, I will let you all as a board. May I make a correction? Just real quick, okay. uh, Commissioner. I will let you all as a board decide um, you know, how you and the Inspector General work on what you all want to choose as a data system. I just want to make sure that any information that is collected right now um, on behalf of the Department of Police Accountability on any complaints, et cetera, is, is something that we don't, we don't lose. And I will let the board work with the, with the leadership on how you decide to do that. I just want to make sure that that information is transferred, transferred over. Certainly. Um, Would you like to hear the correction? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I, what I'm not interested in is you two debating here in this meeting. All I'm interested in is the information in the report, which I'm thankful for both of you being here and presenting, but I am not interested in you two having a debate right here in this, in this hearing. Thank you so much, Commissioner Carrion. Um, I am done. Supervisor Roney. Thank you. I wanted to follow up a little on, on your question, Supervisor um, Walton, because I, I can... I can imagine that it's hard when one agency is creating the infrastructure for a new agency that's supposed to be, you know, independent and operate uh, in, in a whole different context than DPA offer, operates. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you could go a little deeper. So you, bring, you, you brought the example of the <laughs> The case management system, or the you know the electronic man, you know data management systems, but are there other other decisions that are being made by the management of DPA that should really wait until the inspector general is hired, Mr. Wechter? 
Well, certainly the location of the Office of Inspector General, my understanding is that the Department of Police Accountability has a bid from a vendor to create office space in their building at one, <clears throat> excuse me, at one South Van Ness Avenue. I don't know how that space is configured, um, but I believe, I've talked with other colleagues in the oversight field, people who have established agencies or people who are running agencies, and they think for a new agency, the director should be able to choose the location. And for example, they might want to locate it close to the county jail at 7th and Bryant Streets for ease of access of their staff to the jail, which the charter guarantees they have unfettered access and also for ease of access of people who are released from the jail who might want to come to the Office of Inspector General to make a complaint, or the family members or friends of people who are incarcerated in the jail who might talk to them and may leave wanting to f file a complaint, the Inspector General might want to locate that office within close proximity and make it easier for those people. But the uh, oversight practitioners I've spoken to say they feel the Inspector General should be able to make the decision on where to locate the office, on how the office is configured, whether it's an open office space or has private rooms. I can tell you, having worked in this field for over 20 years, you conduct interviews involving a lot of confidential information. You don't want to do that in an open room where other people can hear it. You're dealing with personnel records of law enforcement officers. There are very strict confidentiality requirements about that. So again, I have no idea what the potential office space DPA Paul Henderson has in mind, but uh, the best practice would be for the Inspector General to be able to make that decision. I mentioned the database. Um, I, I simply, the practice, the advice I've gotten from oversight colleagues is that the inspector general should have the maximum amount of autonomy to establish the agency as they see fit, and that if they feel they are, that, that autonomy will be limited, it might in fact discourage highly qualified applicants from applying because they don't want to come into to have to be responsible for the success of an agency that they really haven't had the authority to set up. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, I appreciate that point and just want to highlight it. You know, I, having a police oversight agency is just, it, it is fundamentally different than having a sheriff's oversight agency when there is a, you know, a prison system basically or a jail system being, being uh, overseen, right? Um, you know, I think I, you know, you've read about the challenges that you've had going out in the community and getting a lot of people to attend the meetings. That doesn't surprise me because it, you know, unlike the general public where we all interact with the police and have opinions and experiences where, you know, it, it's really close to our lives, um, very sadly, uh, you know, uh, it will, will happily a limited number of people have experience dealing with the jail systems, but uh, extremely, uh, uh, you know, worrisome and unfortunate. It happens to be the lowest income and uh, primi primarily people of color who have uh, that interaction. And the lowest income people often don't have the time to go to public meetings and give uh, their public input about something, A, because oftentimes they don't feel heard or like their public input matters because they haven't seen that happen in their lives. And number two, 
uh, the lowest income people usually have to work two or three jobs just to pay rent and put food on the table. So, uh, you know, making the complaint process, the public input process, uh, you know, all of these aspects extremely easy and accessible for the people that are impacted by the system, it to me seems extremely important, more so than in pretty much any other context. And so <coughs> the, it would be my expectation that it will be this newly hired uh, inspector general who's the decision maker about all of these aspects. They're not they're not just, you know, simple, simple decisions, you know, what database to use, where your office is located, you know, who you hire, how you do these things. And I am concerned that DPA is taking a little bit too much control and that really what's needed right now is to hire that inspector general so that the inspector general can make these really critical decisions. Thank you so much, Supervisor Ronan, and definitely 100% agree with you and you know, my conversations with um, President Wechter and, and members of, of the oversight body is that there are going to be decisions that need to be made um, once the IG comes on board. I do want to, you know, I definitely have to thank the Department of, of Police Accountability. As you know, one of the most difficult things for us to do in city government is to set up infrastructure for a body that doesn't exist and they most certainly have uh, been working to provide that infrastructure role and most certainly have been trying to uh, do everything that they can for this work to continue without the full committee being seated at a, a particular time and most certainly without the inspector general but 100% agree that the roles are different uh, with DPA and what they do and we most certainly will have the board will most certainly have a lot of opportunity to move the work forward with the inspector general when the inspector general does come on board. Uh, I don't have any more questions. I don't know if uh, any of my colleagues have, have any questions. I just want to add a quick comment. I mean, I, I just want to say thank you so much for your service. I uh, really appreciate it. But I, I you know, I too, uh, I was looking forward to seeing uh, you in our districts because I think this Friday is where the commission was going to hold uh, the commission meeting at uh, Richmond Recreation Center. Um, due to your quorum issue, you're not. You, we now have to cancel and not be able to make it. Uh, but I also concur with Supervisor Ronan about. Um, the challenges too for the community, uh, but I appreciate you know the intention to go into the community and trying to talk with community about some of these issues. But it is also true that I think it, it impact a specific population that may not often time have the capacity or the resources or the time to be able to uh, attend community meetings and, and comfortable to talk about their complaints or, you know. Um, so I, I look forward to seeing how we can uh, support you. And Supervisor Walton, would you, uh, is it okay if we go open to public comments now? Definitely. Okay. I, I just wanted to say one of the charter managers is to solicit input from persons incarcerated in the city and county. And member um, William Palmer and I had arranged with the sheriff's office for us both to go to the county jail at San Bruno this coming Saturday for the entire day to meet with individuals incarcerated to fulfill this charter requirement. Unfortunately, member Palmer's uh, 
reconfirmation to the oversight board has not gone through yet, so therefore he cannot do that, so we have postponed that until he is uh, reconfirmed, and he and I will both be going out there and meeting with individuals to fulfill that part of the charter. It is very important. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Mr. Collette. Let's go to public comment. Thank you, Madam Chair. Members of the public wish to speak uh, on these two items. And are joining us in person should line up now. And for those who have joined us remotely and haven't already done so, please dial star three. If you wish to enter the speaker line, hand out for those already in the queue, please continue to wait until the system indicates you have been unmuted. And that will be your signal to begin your comments. Can you step up? Uh, thank you so much uh, for letting me speak today. Uh, I will be attending the uh, police commission later tonight. Um, I've been doing it for the past month. And I, I have the sheriff's department board um, on my calendar as well to attend. Um, I worked for the sheriff's department for a year uh, right here, 400, room 400 upstairs. I reported every day to a lieutenant. Um, I got on my microphone reporter. I fingerprinted altogether about 3,500 sheriffs, uh, I mean uh, city employees altogether. So 3,500 of your uh, co-workers, I probably fingerprinted them. <laughs> Took them each by the finger. Um, and of course, running the background report and stuff like that. But nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody, nobody says, good job. I think you're not supposed to fingerprint that much. You're supposed to fingerprint like way down, and then your partner's supposed to do the other half. But I didn't have a partner that did that, so it's okay. You could do that to me. I don't care. I left that job. You can have it. <laughs> so what I want to basically get down to the bottom of and talk to you today is this board here, um, you know, is it really doing what it says it is, what it's doing? Is it? Is it transparent? Is it, is it available for the public to see what it's doing? Is, is it? No. I don't think so. Uh, you know, so as a city, uh, we have to look at that and just see if that's what you want, that, that's the kind of thing you want to do. Uh, I actually had something else I wanted to say, which is pretty much, you know, um, I, I, I totally am going to blank. I'm going blank. Um, basically, what I want to say is that, uh, you know, it's, it's wild that someone's life can be turned upside down like that, and uh, he has no clue. As to what and how, you know, what and how. So thank you. Thank you much for your comments. Next speaker, please. Yes, uh, Alexandra Nancy Thompson here. I know very little about the details of what it is you all are trying to work out today. But there's one concern, heavy concern I have, and that is communication. The simple thing of having someone say something and then have that finding out if the person they're speaking to heard what they actually said, just going back and forth like that until that's done. Mediators do that a lot for people and for groups. And <clears throat> pertinent to what I just said, I'm concerned that maybe the people who are really the most knowledgeable about what they need from this system are the people themselves who are impacted by it. And I hear you saying that you're, you're addressing that. However, I am unknowledgeable, but I'm wondering 
if people who are in who are in the um, jails and who are in the institutions are being hired for jobs to communicate to the people who are impacted by what it is that the sheriff's department does. That's all I'm concerned about is can they be hired? Can a lot of people need jobs? Maybe they are being hired, and I'm just asking that question because I don't know if it's happening or not. Okay, thanks. Thank you much, Nancy Thompson, for addressing this committee. Seeing no further speakers here in the chamber, uh, Mr. Lamb, if you could mute our caller, please. So I attend or I have attended three of the meetings. There's a disconnect between the president and the other board members. So for somebody to say something without knowing what is happening at the many meetings is not the way to go about it just because you're a board of supervisor. You may have initiated the charter, but fundamentally the needs assessment points to a jail that is so primitive and stinks to high heaven, we need a brand new jail, which makes the sheriff's work very difficult. When you form a new organization, it would have been better that the police department had nothing to do with what the sheriff's department does. I've gone out of my way to talk to the sheriff, not the sheriff per se, but to somebody who is knowledgeable, because I've been associated with the sheriff's department ever since Michael Hennessy was, which most of y'all don't even know who Michael Hennessy is. So that's what the Board of Supervisors do. How can you have a new body and they don't have funding? How can you have a new body and they really do not know what to do when they don't have a deep orientation about the Board of Supervisors and other things? In fact, at the three meetings I attended, I was the only one who gave public comment. Speaker's time has elapsed. Thank you, Francisco DeCosta, for your comments. And uh, Madam Chair, that completes our queue. Thank you. Seeing no more public comment, public comment is now closed. Supervisor Watson. Thank you so much, Chair Chan. First, I just want to say thank you uh, to both Commissioners Gadion and Commissioner Wechter for coming in and, and presenting today. I really appreciate your work, the work of the entire oversight board. Uh, and, you know, it took us some time to get things set up, particularly with the pandemic being in place. Uh, as as we had to, to get the work done, but I do want to appreciate uh, all of you. I also want to say I know that it can be difficult uh, working together at times, and at the end of the day, you know, my focus and this board's focus is to make sure that this body is really there and put in place to provide that independent oversight that the voters want to see and working together towards that goal and Sometimes it is going to be challenging, 
uh, you know, my, my 10 colleagues and I, uh, we have our own challenges as well, but we do need to stay focused on the work that is in front of us. Uh, I also want to thank the Department of Police Accountability. I want to thank Sheriff Miyamoto and the Sheriff's Department. And a big shout out, of course, to Tracy Brown from my office, uh, who worked closely on, obviously, Prop D and getting this passed and working closely right now uh, with, with the Sheriff's Department Oversight Board. Uh, and just thank you so much, Chair Chan, for allowing this hearing this afternoon. So I would like to move to file item number two and move to approve item number three, the resolution accepting the annual report. Thank you. Second. And Mr. Clerk, um, before we do call the roll for this motion, would also like to do, I, do we need to have a roll to uh, do, uh, do we need to call a roll to excuse uh, Supervisor Ronan? Uh, yes, we should. I had to vote. Okay. Um, sorry, Supervisor Walton. Could I proceed? Oh, yeah, to? Okay. Um, let's uh, call the roll to. I, I make the motion to excuse Supervisor Ronan uh, for the remaining of the uh, meeting. And second by Vice Chair Mendelman. And Mr. Clerk, please call the roll for the, to excuse Supervisor Ronan. On that motion, to excuse uh, Member Ronan for the duration of this meeting, uh, Vice Chair Mendelman. Gentlemen, I, uh, Member Safai. Safai, I. Uh, Member Walton. Aye. Walton, I. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, I. We have four ayes with Member Ronan excused. Thank you. Motion passes. And uh, Mr. Clerk, and let's uh, call the roll for the motion made by Supervisor Walton and uh, second by myself. And on the motion by Member Walton, seconded by yourself, Chair Chan, that the hearing as item number two be uh, heard and filed, and the resolution as item three be forwarded to the full board with a positive recommendation. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Member Safai. Safai, aye. Member Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Chair Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. We have four ayes with Member Ronan excused. Thank you, and the motion passes. Um, Mr. Collette, do we have any other uh, matter before us today? Uh, Madam Chair, that concludes our business. Thank you. The meeting is adjourned. SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.